0: Welcome to No Prize From God, episode 14. No Prize From God features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything between. I'm your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is Miles Kennedy, vocalist for Alter Bridge, Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, and solo artist. When Miles was just four years old, his father passed away from appendicitis, a treatable ailment that went undiagnosed. A devout Christian scientist, Kennedy's father had refused medical care, in accordance with his religious beliefs. Miles is one of many creative people who lost a parent at a young age. A list of artists that includes Paul McCartney, Bono, Madonna, and James Hetfield, whose mother died when he was 16. The Metallica frontman's parents were also Christian scientists. Miles Kennedy's father died in 1974, the year of the tiger which is the third year in the 12-year cycle of the Chinese Zodiac. The singer, whose soulful voice has drawn favorable comparisons to the late Jeff Buckley, explores themes of love and loss related to his upbringing on his debut solo album, fittingly titled Year of the Tiger. The record is stripped down and intimate, with acoustic arrangements and instrumentation more befitting blues, Americana, or rockabilly than the hard rock of Alter Bridge. Kennedy's voice is rightly admired in hard rock circles. He's actually the guy Mark Wahlberg pulls on stage to replace him in the dorky movie Rockstar. It was on that movie set where he met Jason Bonham, who called him several years later and invited him to audition for a possible album and tour with the surviving members of Led Zeppelin, after Robert Plant refused to continue past a one-off reunion show. Kennedy spent an afternoon jamming with them, followed by another four days of rehearsals. Alter Bridge was about to appear at the Download Festival in the UK when Kennedy first got that call from Jason Bonham. Alterbridge, of course, has released five successful albums over the years. Kennedy was one of the singers on Slash's 2010 solo album, which included appearances from Ozzy, Adam Levine of Maroon 5, Alice Cooper, M. Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold, Iggy Pop, the late Lemmy, and the late Chris Cornell, among others. Kennedy ended up singing for Slash on the subsequent tour in support of the album, which led to him fronting the band full-time. Slash, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, released Apocalyptic Love in 2012 and World on Fire in 2014. Live shows often include a handful of Guns N' Roses classics, so when W. Axl Rose was a no-show to GNR's Rock Hall of Fame induction in 2012, Kennedy stood in for him, performing three classic Guns N' Roses songs with Slash, Duff McKagan, Steven Adler, Matt Sorum, and Gilby Clark, four years before Axel reunited with Slash and Duff for their massive reunion tour. Miles was my guest for a Q&A session at the Musicians Institute in Hollywood, where we spoke in-depth about his career, and he performed two songs from Year of the Tiger before the q a we sat down for an even more intimate conversation for this podcast which you're about to hear we talked about his father's death his parents christian science beliefs his own faith journey and where he is now before we get into that i'd love to share some music from miles new album up first is the title track written from his mother's perspective stick around after the interview to hear the rockabilly-infused devil on the wall so here's miles kennedy with year of the tiger from his debut solo album of the same name We did it! It is my conversation with Miles Kennedy. This is No Prize from God. a little bit about you know sort of your your background in terms of faith and life's bigger questions mm-hmm. and um what some of your first exposure was to those kind of concepts and you know as a kid yeah. and that sort of thing
1: yeah i mean i was raised in, uh, in a very it was always uh, it was always there um the idea of a god and initially um i was brought into this world um both my, my mother and biological father were Christian scientists. Um, and I, from what I understand, their parents were as well, at least their mothers were. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a pretty... Um, I mean, they, they have a very... At least from what I remember, I don't know if it's evolved, but um, when it came to get, if you got getting sick or or something, you tried to work that out through prayer and you had a... Was called a practitioner that you would call that help help you work through it. And it was a very different way of doing things from what I, um, how I how, uh, I view things now. Um, and
0: the idea of the practitioner was was what they were sort of
1: an intercessory between the believer and God. Uh, maybe perhaps kind of yeah, you know,
0: perhaps. specifically petition God, hey, fix this perhaps. broken arm per- or whatever. Yeah,
1: perhaps. And I, I, that's a, that's actually a really good question. I um, it's been so long now. I don't want to. Right. <laughs> spread any 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 of, 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 of you know anything that's not true, but but it had something to do with that, or maybe just to help you work through things, um, almost like a like a um, someone to help, maybe to confide in, or, or And I, I and
0: I feel like when I hear the term Christian Scientists, two things come to mind, and it's really the only two things. You'd be, you're already educating me. Uh, one is the Christian Science reading rooms
1: yes. <laughs> that I see. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, and the other is—is is, yes, this idea of uh, you know uh, faith healing and, and healing through prayer, and, and mm-hmm. t- to the extent of even um, discouraging believers from going to hospitals and to seek sort oh, yeah. of modern I mean, medical care. I don't really know anything about it beyond those two mm-hmm. things. I feel like those are the
1: two things that everyone knows. Yeah. Know? yeah. And Mary Baker Eddy was the—I think she was kind of the genesis of the whole belief system, and. Um, and I just remember hearing her name a lot growing up, but
0: um, so it's it's a Christian faith, but it's a modern Christian faith. I believe sort so. Like I believe
1: it. I, Seventh Day Adventists or the Mormon Church, yeah, or I believe along something. those lines. I want to, I, I want to s- say, sometime in the eighteen hundreds is when it evolved. Um, but um, but yeah, that was all I knew early on, and then an interesting thing happened once. I think my mom's before dad passed away, she she actually worked at a nursing home, or a, or or like a, she was seeing a, a lot of people in that that was involved with that faith that were that were passing away, and she started to notice that younger people were were, were there as well. It wasn't just elderly people, and she started to kind of put it together that hmm, well this is interesting, and I've got two young boys, so she discussed with my father that um, she, if, if she got sick, that she did want to seek mm. medical attention, and um, and this all happened not too long before my, my dad did get sick, and he said, all right, well, if, I, I will respect your wishes, but if I get sick, um, you respect my wishes, and I want to work it out through prayer, which is very interesting that within six months, he then passed away, and she respected his wishes, you know um and how old were you when he I was, was four, four.
0: wow okay so there you go my mom passed away when i was 11. oh wow i'm sorry um, yeah she was a uh i don't know born again my my family's irish catholic on my dad's side and then kind of an irish and german protestant on my mom's side and uh she had become kind of a born again uh through the presbyterian church so i had some experience with that um uh, and she was sick with lupus and this was in the 80s when oh, right. people knew even they still don't know much about it they knew even less about it then um and that uh, she didn't die from lupus but she died from uh kidney failure and complications mm-hmm. that were related to that autoimmune sort of deficiency but yeah i, I bring that up largely because I, in my life you know uh, and friends and, and so forth uh there's a real easy relatability with people that have lost a parent it, it, in yeah, it's early a, childhood. It's yeah. a
1: definite club that none of us really wish right. to be a part of. Right, exactly. We all know the the, the void. You yeah. Know, that the thing that never really goes away. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the
0: defining sort of uh, role that it plays in oh, the def- art that you're attracted Absolutely. to, the music you like, the people you gravitate towards, right. the girls you date or whatever. You know, like That's it's true. <laughs> it Thanks seems like it's man, always right? there. Yeah. It's always
1: there. It's always yeah. there.
0: So, in in as much as, uh, you know, having a, a parent, losing a parent to a terminal illness, um, the role that Faith played in that in particular with you and being so young and obviously having, I'm sure, it's already hard enough to grapple with as an adult, but to try to kind of view that through the lens of the religion that your, mm-hmm. that your father believed in, what was that
1: experience like? It was interesting because... Um, It didn't, I was so young and it didn't necessarily shake my faith. I never really questioned God as as I was four years old. And frankly, I, as far as I can remember, um, as as far as being a young person, I was always, I had unshakable faith. Um, And my mom then remarried uh, an incredible man um, who's a Methodist minister, so um, we, we were no longer part of the Christian Science um, realm, uh, and we then did deal with things through medical intervention if there was a problem. Which I remember that was weird for me because I had been born into something where you that you didn't do that, and so when I I remember the, I had a, an absolute terror of doctors initially, just absolutely petrified. I had to get a wart removed on my hand once. And I think that's the first memory I have of actually going to a doctor. And it was just, it was as if I was going to the gallows. (laughs) I remember having severe anxiety because I was raised to believe that you didn't do that. So that was kind of, kind of interesting. Um, but
0: uh, they had to feel like going to outer space. In it a way, did because the the science of it all around yeah, you. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, it did people in white coats. Yeah. And, you know? it was so yeah.
1: clinical, and and, yeah. and it wasn't all warm and fuzzy. You yeah, you know that. I think that's one of the things about dealing with things through prayer is it, you you just I don't know. I, I mean, it's hard to even it's hard to even articulate. It's just a different concept, and and so. So yeah, the we were then Methodists and or Potluck Protestants, as my friends would <laughs> would would call me, um, um, and 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 that was fine. And I and I immersed myself in it and tried to to understand it all and read the Bible and studied the Bible, and and that was my scene for all the way. Through my twenties, really. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I was I was a card carrying member, and um, and as
0: that intersected with music, were you? Did as a teenager, were you into like Christian rock bands? I was, I was. In fact,
1: when Striper first came out, that was a big deal for me because then I, you know, I loved metal and I loved hard rock, but I. Uh, I knew that my parents wasn't really their jam, yeah. you know, and then Striper came out and I got to, that was an easy one to go to that show. Uh, my mom yeah. went down and marched down and we got the tickets. <laughs> nice know? intersection. Nice intersection. Yeah. And I, and uh, so that was really the the only one I remember being into and there were some other bands at that point, but they didn't really.
0: Yeah. I mean, anything. there was an era where, you know, no disrespect to, I'm, I'm sure, you know, some people listening would be able to point to maybe bands we weren't aware of, but. Sure. Um, I want to say it wasn't really until the '90s that there were noticeably a noticeable amount of legitimate sort of Christian acts that were good bands in their own right. Versus, right. oh, well, this is the Christian version of this band, yeah, this right? Right. Ver- <laughs> you know. Oh, oh, you like you like the Ramones? Well, listen to these guys. Right. Um, you know, where you actually had people that were kind of creating art that was on its own terms, and just so happened that they were that there was a message in there somewhere right. that, that bent. Um, so, yeah, I think people that were into heavy music and hard rock and stuff in the 80s were a bit more starved if they were oh, absolutely in the starved. Christian scene yeah. of trying to, you know, it's like, you got Striper and, right. you know, I, mean, I think Living Sacrifice was around then, but probably not as known. And,
1: uh, there was Bloodgood, I remember them. Yeah. Because they opened for Striper. Yeah. Petra was the earliest Petra. thing I remember, mm, yeah. but it, was, it wasn't quite heavy enough for me, you know. Right. It wasn't, right. that wasn't going to satiate my, my need. Yeah. There was no tooth and nail records in the eighties, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I think I think Striper was on Enigma, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and uh, so so yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting. It was, and I was I was definitely um, I was really into it. You know, I was huh. really a, I tried to be tried to walk the straight and narrow, and mm-hmm. and uh, but as time went on, there were just questions that started to come up. And the logical part of my brain started asking questions that I couldn't get answers for. No matter who I, no matter how intelligent the person was, who who was a person of faith, I still wasn't getting something. Still wasn't ringing true with me. And um, suddenly, the idea of there being an absolute, and the idea of there being this this um, as some sort of deity or an afterlife. I was starting to question, and um, that was tough.
0: Hmm,
1: that course. was really difficult because you know that was my whole foundation, you know. Um, and it's such a, it's such a such an important part of one's life and how you deal with life, how you deal with anxiety, how you deal with whatever the world or the universe throws it throws your way, you know. So. Uh, it (laughs) kind (laughs) of sucked and i have friends who i have friends who 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 are still very passionate about what they believe and i kind of envy them because now that i'm i don't know i get i guess at this point i'm probably more of a i guess the term is agnostic Mm -hmm. i don't really i guess i fall somewhere in the middle actually you know that i shouldn't say that because i don't I'm open. I'm, I'm. 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 And I know some people have a real issue when people say this. <laughs> this, but I, I almost feel like it takes as much faith to believe there isn't a god. Sure. You know. Yeah. If just for me to sit and go, no, there's absolutely. You're no open to
0: information. Exactly. If, if if your mind could be changed
1: at some it, point, it, one way or the other. Yeah. And oh, journey. Exactly. But I just. I don't see it.
0: I haven't, yeah. yeah. Do you do you feel like? during that time in your life where you had that framework like you said it's scary to to let go of certainty um did you ever have any experiences before during since that you felt were supernatural or unexplainable or were you captain i mean certainly as a musician i'm sure there's an argument to be made that you are tapping into something when you're writing and performing and that sort of thing do you ever do you feel like there's something bigger than us in that sense
1: Hmm. Um. You know, I've had I've had moments where uh, music and the power of music there's something very sp- spiritual and hard to articulate and something very magical. <laughs> yeah. Um. I agree. But do I feel like that comes from a, a higher power? I don't know. I don't. Uh, for me, I found a lot of solace in. Um, the idea of now, mm-hmm. <laughs> the idea of oh. being present, and the idea of that's the thing with music is when you you immerse yourself in it, and whether you're writing or you're for me a lot of it's improvisation, a lot of it, a lot of my my my, my truly transcendental states have been achieved back in, back in the days when I used to play fusion,
2: mm. strange sure. when,
1: with improvisation and and you, that you're definitely staying in the moment, and there would just be things where it's like wow. This is—you're not worried about what's coming next. You're not paying attention to what just happened. You're mm-hmm. w- locked in the moment, and it's—this is living. This is what it's all about, you know. And and, and, and its so hard to hold on to. It. To harness—it's
0: so transient. It know? is. Yeah.
1: It is. It's and it's—it's it's just as hard as—it's why um, uh, you know meditating can be so hard. Um, sure. Because it kind of takes practice. Because your brain is constantly. Um, it, it, it's 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 uh, always desiring what's coming next, or mm-hmm. or asking questions, or or trying to foresee things, and and that uh, I can somehow get in the way of really enjoying the moment. You know?
0: Yeah, as somebody who suffers from obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety, mm. I yeah, it's anxiety is 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 what worry about the future and and or or a focus on the past and yeah. the scars of the past and whatever and yeah that's the hardest part is to it's be horrible. and that's also kind of the cure for it you know is to actually be in the moment and Absol- absolutely absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's definitely an argument to be made that a lot of faith traditions have such an emphasis on the afterlife and on a right. reward and punishment system um, you know that you're uh, aspiring to, to reach some sort of destination right. versus the,
1: the idea that the journey is the destination exactly you know, that it's the idea that yeah, there's a there's a pot of gold at the end of the <laughs> right. rainbow, or, what, or whatever it is. But, yeah. But I think what kind of planted the seed for me. I should back up a little bit. Yeah. Was when I was about eighteen, I was watching uh, the Bill Moyer special where he interviewed um, Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell, but a little bit. But he's he's kind of the. We were joking earlier about the Luke George Lucas room <laughs> and and he <laughs> yeah. and and and, and uh, he played a big part in inspiring um, uh, George Lucas and many other artists in, during that period and he just he he stumbled onto some really cool concepts and and um, uh, basically taking so many different myths from so many different cultures mm-hmm. and, and and extracting a common truth and a common theme from the hero's
0: journey yeah and are, does, is that him yeah or stuff yeah those? here with a thousand, okay. here
1: with a thousand faces or whatever okay yeah and, but but he did it in such a brilliant way and that was when i i was like wow this guy is really onto something here but once again it scared me because i was like but, but what he's saying here with a lot of these myths um or, or at least what he's the, the truth he's extracting is the idea of staying present and that there isn't, there may not be an afterlife or that this, you know, this isn't congruent with what I've been led to believe. So as much as I appreciate what he's saying here, I'm kind of frightened of it. It kind of scares me because it's going to shake my foundation. But it was one of those things that I kept, I couldn't stop thinking about. And and uh, so I started reading some books and talking to people and, um, and the more... Time has gone on. It's I've gradually embraced this more, more of an Eastern philosophy. Uh, that's yeah. kind of uh, taken me away from from um, the Christian faith, and uh, it's it's brought me a lot of solace. You know, it's really because I, I struggle with anxiety and depression, and it's really been helpful, really really helpful. Like it's, I, I, I've um, uh, recently have been on a Ram Dass kick. Um, yeah. yeah, really. That's been um, just real.
0: We're right in the wheelhouse for this podcast, by the way. Really, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that comes up a lot and that interests me. Yeah. 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 That's good. I gotta, yeah, have Ramdas on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> on my on my wish list. Oh yeah, he's just he's, he seems so enlightened. Yeah. You know, and and um, so yeah, it's it's been it's it's still a journey. I mm-hmm. I don't have it all sussed out, but all, all I can say is, I feel like I'm doing what works for me. And um, and that's why I, I try to be careful with you know, some people are really vocal about being anti-religion or anti-God. Yeah. And I try to be careful there because as this...
0: Then, well, they want to put you in a category of, you know, I'm this or I'm that, or yeah, I'm this, even exactly. if the category is, you know, this new atheism as they call it or whatever, which I think in, in many ways uh, resembles the fundamentalism and legalism of the worst of religion it's true you know and that's not to, to paint all atheists with that brush but this idea right now of that you know that religion is the uh single most cause of all the pain and suffering in the world and deprogramming everybody from it is the this evangelistic zeal uh you know some friends of mine even that have that that's their mission is to get everybody into into the atheist thing right. that's like well, that feels to me like the Jehovah's Witness at my doorstep. Yeah, whose no, <laughs> mission is to, to save me? You know. Yeah,
1: you know, you're, you're, that's really. I think you're dead on. I think that, um, as the song says, whatever gets you through the night, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. I think that that's what I've really come to believe. Um, whatever works for you, go with it. But don't don't be a part of something that hurts somebody else. Right. Don't be. Don't don't buy into the idea that your faith is the only way. And if they're if, if, if people don't subscribe to your faith, then you need to take them out or or, mm-hmm. or chastise them or whatever it is. That's where I struggle. Yeah. or that's when it gets dangerous. Pers-
0: your your code that exists within your particular ideology that that needs to restrict the liberties of people around you and what you know how they're able to live or their lifestyle. Absolutely, life's yeah, absolutely,
1: they're absolutely right.
0: I found, and this is very recent for me, within the last couple of years. Um, I've gotten really into uh, the work of this guy Peter Rollins, who's a, a theologian and you know has all these PhDs and whatever. He's this Irish guy, is super funny, um, but he has this thing that he's developed called pyro theology, where it's I, I mean he's he's burning it all down and deconstructing it to try to kind of get to the. Um, I've been really inspired by his work recently because it's really about doubt and the idea that um, certainty is the is the real enemy of of faith or Hmm. these kind of conversations about these concepts um that as soon as people get into this thing of like okay i'm i'm this is what i'm into and this is you know i believe these 10 things and or whatever it is about different religions um different philosophies that that's where a real death happens Mm -hmm. you know once you get locked into a a certain code Uh, and that's not to say and i struggle with this uh, because there are certain moral truths and certain kind of spiritual truths that i ascribed to um and, and you know it's that balance of of like you don't want to just be so like whatever man you know uh versus being so rigid and and stuck in a certain spot right right now. right so right, I, right that's kind of where what's his name again uh peter rollins oh, check it out yeah yeah. I'll, I'll send you to some of his he you know lectures and um he's got and he's got a comedic bent to what he does oh cool yeah I like really, really that. into comedy comedies right right yeah. um and then yeah there's comedians like pete holmes and some of these guys who wrestle with some of this stuff mm-hmm. well, i, I kind of gravitate towards that and then that's cool and yeah who knows i don't know if that's losing a parent young but it makes us more interested in this stuff i think it does
1: you confront it earlier sure, yeah you know? you're forced to confront it you you have to yeah it, may, it makes you you know you realize that that we all have a you know, where this is not, at least this, what we have here, our body is not, it's very finite. Right.
0: You know, I'm all I, I almost sort of uh, with amusement when you, when I hear people go, you know, and then it's one of those moments where you realize like how temporary this all is or whatever. And I'm just like, I feel like I've known that. I feel, I, I feel, you know, I, I am, like you said, envying people that have a certainty. I, I envy people that, that haven't thought about this <laughs> stuff because I feel like I've been thinking about oh, it. Oh, gosh. Always, know. You, know? you know, it's you know. always there.
1: You're absolutely right
0: but i think that you know there's this great quote uh something bono said to rolling stone a few years ago that the uh the best art and music is the art and music that recognizes god or whatever you know spirituality is as the pivot and that it, the best music is either running away from the light or running towards it and that that's like the art and i was like ah he nailed it Go like that's Bono.
2: i mean
1: that's the art that i love right <laughs> yeah like, yeah <laughs> No, he's he's definitely a he said he said some very profound things, and, and it's he's an interesting read, that's for sure. You know, yeah, his, his interviews, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: and he's somebody that who I appreciate that he has a a moral compass, and doesn't uh, he doesn't let himself be pinned down. You know, the Christians try to claim him, and the, <laughs> the atheists might want to claim him. Or, you know, and he's
1: like very much he's kind of ambiguous in that sense. Amb- yeah. yeah,
0: and, and ambiguity of, of you know coming up in that. I mean being from a war-torn place that was divided mm-hmm. by sectarianism
1: and religion for so many years. That's and true. And he lost a parent early on. Right. He's another one of them. Yeah. I've, I've often thought that somebody should write a book about uh, how, how many uh, artists have... <laughs> yeah, right? No, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great idea, I mean, yeah. because it, I think it would be interesting. There's so many, so many of the people that I, that I uh, fed off of as an artist, you know, lost a parent at a young age, and Buckley, um, James mm-hmm. Hetfield. Hetfield. Christian, Christian scientist. scientist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: God That Failed and some of those songs are like right on the money about that stuff. Yeah. I hear
2: faith in Ukraine.
0: Have you met him? Are you guys friendly? I've never met James. That was one of the first things that came to mind in knowing about your story. Where I was yeah. like, "Yeah, that's a, that's a conversation." <laughs> I, 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 I,
1: I heard that and I was blown away. I was yeah. like, "Wow, he he's experienced the same thing." And, yeah, um, I'd be curious what his take.
0: Black album, sixteen million copies. Sixteen million people have that song, "The God That Failed," and right. it's literally exactly about that. Right. You know. Right. That's um, great. Yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe that's. The book we write together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think it would yeah. be really interesting. Yeah.
1: Because and like you said, Buckley, and, yeah. um, I'm kind of drawing a blank, but there's so many, like, and yeah. it's, it's so many. It's what's interesting is, is how many times it's an artist that, that I really, for whatever reason, something they do, something in their art resonates with me. Before you even knew that. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, oh, yeah. they're part of the club. Yeah. <laughs> so we just met. and I, that's, I, I should be careful how I say the part of the club. It, it's just, because that sounds odd, but, um,
0: well it's not a club you want to join no but, yeah. it's not I,
1: I would, <laughs> but you find yourself in it yeah i would lo- look man i what i would give to sit down with my biological father and know who he was and yeah w- ask him if he appreciate you know if he was he proud of me does he like me does he mm-hmm. do, do you like my music do you uh do you regret the decisions i mean there's so many questions that i can't i'll never i'll never have answered and and just just to have an hour what i would give (laughs) yeah you know but do you have kids i don't and frankly i think i think part of the reason for a long time i was afraid to have kids before i was because he passed away when he was 34 Mm -hmm. so um you know, I was afraid of 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 would I make it to thirty four. And this
0: this is a very common. I've read about this. This is like a, a a thing. It's not just you. It's all. It's a. It's those of us in the club. Um, and I had. You know, I have. I have two kids. Uh, and very very similar. I um. You know, my mom was forty when she passed away, and um, I was. I didn't have kids until my mid and late thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very similar. I've read essays about it and, uh, you know, studies and we have that, that anxiety, that irrational fear, essentially that, um, our kids will have the same childhood we had. Right. We'll be taken away from them when, when they're young. And, um, yeah. And, and by, by the same turn, I, you know, um, my kids have a very close relationship with their grandparents on my ex's side. You know, their their mom and and they're great and they're very involved and all that. Um, And uh, you know, the fact that my mom was, you know, long gone by the time my kids were born. uh, You know, that she didn't get to know them and they didn't know her. And you know, uh, and then of course, yeah, when we were when we were so young, I was a little bit older than you were, but still young. You know, Mm -hmm. eleven. The older we get, the further away those few memories become. And it's like, yeah, what you wouldn't give to. Well, it's it's interesting how you know, hearing
1: how old you were when you lost your mom. I think that would actually be even more difficult because I was four and I was still young enough to where I didn't understand what death was. Um, one of the things that um, my mom told me is that I I don't know if I was in denial or I just didn't under, I just didn't understand. Your know, mom tried to explain that Dad was gone and and I said, no, Dad's either he's at work and he'll come home right. or the other thing. I apparently this is I just learned this recently, which was kind of a—it's kind of heartbreaking. He—he he just started learning to play guitar, so he had oh, this wow. really cheap guitar that he would sit on the bed, and my brother and I would sit there and watch him try to learn the fundamentals. And um, and one of m- mom's you know, dad's not coming back, and I was like, yeah, yes, yeah, he's got to come back and practice his guitar for David and I. You know, and it's, right. just, so it's just so it just—it yeah. was a concept that I, yeah. I couldn't grasp as a little person, but when you're 11, I. I'm sure at that point you have a yeah. lot more figured out and so th- there's much more gravity to, yeah. to the situation. Yeah,
0: and there's a whole thing and, and I I assume this is common, I know that there's different ways that people handle something like that, but I, and I didn't figure this out until later in life of course, but I handled it by um, just shutting off, mm. you know, so I you know, age 11 to like my early twenties, I, I thought, I thought I wasn't capable of feeling things, oh, you know? okay, wow. and it was, uh, and then, you know, in, in therapy as an adult and everything, finding out that, uh, you, you know, I, 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 someone explained to me, you have a well of emotions. You just, during a time in life when you're developing the skills to access those emotions, that was robbed from you right so the right. tools that most people have they developed in that, that part of adolescence to get in there you know and and whereas i was you know it was just like i flipped a switch right, you know right right um and it would obviously come out in oftentimes the wrong ways right. anger and whatever you know but um yeah just really kind of and yeah like as a fan of you know metallica and and watching like a james hetfield or something and and then as as much as like that's a band of course that's opened themselves up to us the world to Mm -hmm. come in and look at their struggles and everything it's like i see so much i'm like whoa (laughs) you know you see so much of like um and uh, yeah yeah and uh yeah and i was you know i've I've been a a straight edge dude since i was a teenager so Mm -hmm. it's like that was my extreme you know instead of because I know, like, if I, you know, if I was like social drinker guy, I'd be the dude with the heroin needle. Like, right. A few right, days later, right, you know. Right, so it was right, just right, for me. Right. It was just like that was prob- nothing. Probably you know? wise. Yeah. Yeah. Extreme
1: yeah. on the other side. Of, yeah. You know. Well, that's that's but, good that you recognized that early on. Yeah. So did you have to go through a fair amount of, um, you know, the therapy and stuff to try and dig?
0: I, w- I wish that I had done more. Yeah. But yeah, I I started. Um, in the past few years even, you know, actually talking to s- and, and accepting that idea that, like, it doesn't make you weak or yeah, less right.
1: macho or, you know, all those things that are put into us. Um, it's such a, it's a, it's it, it's true, there's such a stigma attached to it, but, but boy, it can be beneficial. Yeah, yeah. there's no stigma attached to eating, right, or exercising. Exactly. You know, and and it's your br- the same. It's exactly. It's health. It's health. <laughs> you know? And your brain is a machine and it, sometimes it needs to be ultimately reprogrammed because what what happened yeah. is... It, it, what happens to to anybody who experiences trauma is there's just there are things that just happen to your brain that you have to kind of mend, you know. Yeah. And um you shouldn't be ashamed for wanting to. You're not not ashamed for taking your car in and having the oil yes. change. I, you and, know? and the
0: car analogy is so perfect because, uh, you know, the very first time I ever sat down with somebody and I said I I behaved this way and I feel this way and, and this and that and um, it was like bringing your car in and saying my car's making this weird noise. And then to have the person on the other end of the conversation say, "Oh, well, that's your transmission. We're gonna get in there and take it apart and rebuild it, and this and that." And uh, it was liberating. It's
1: very liberating
0: because you, know? you, you get you get so stuck in your own head that you think your all of this stuff is specific to you. And for right. me, it was actually encouraging to learn. Like, no, this is very, very one plus one equals two. Exactly. You know. Um, you know, and the things that uh, yeah, losing a parent can program in you of you right. know abandonment issues and pushing people away because you're afraid they're going to leave and all all that stuff that comes in. Thinking that that's just you and then to learn like, no, this is a thing and you can just you know,
1: now that you know, you can deal with it and put it away. Yeah. yeah, It's 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 liberating. It's it's very liberating. It's healthy and it's and I feel like it just makes you evolve as a person and I'm, I'm really grateful that you know, I, I, it's been a long time for me, but but I went through a period there in my late 20s where I had, it all started to kind of come to a head. That was what was interesting mm-hmm. is, you know, I'd been a, a very, very strong with my faith and that that helped me during that period. But then it was weird. It was like these things just started to happen. Like these re- reactions and these these bizarre, <laughs> just bizarre behavior. And I'm like, where did that come from? What is this? And, and, um and unfortunately my my stepfather was like son you know maybe you should go figure this out let's let's hook you up with someone and talk and i was like wow. i thought is this is this weakness would you know right. i didn't and normally i would work this out through prayer but that wasn't yeah. working and and so um work it man, out just, work it out on stage work it out on stage you know, yeah, yeah. Right. but nothing was working and it was yeah. getting weirder and weirder and and so um thank goodness because because it was just like somebody gave me the keys to the castle you know and I was like oh this is and, and then it made me really appreciate the, the whole study of of, of of the you know how did they find that out about the brain and how right. it works and human right. behavior and and uh, it kind of became exciting for me yeah
0: and I was always afraid that that stuff would take some of the mystery or the magic out of life from and, and if anything the more immersed in it I'm becoming,
1: the more it's amplifying that. for Absolutely. me. Absolutely, like, I totally all agree. It's interesting, and it's really interesting. It's magical in that sense. It is. Know? Yeah, it's really magical. It's yeah, fa- it's fascinating. Unfortunately, I married a. Uh, uh, my wife is a is a she's a therapist, a mental health. Therapist, nice. Works with kids, so. Um, so it's great, and she never. She's always been very careful not to yeah. try and <laughs> analyze yeah. me, but once in a while, I kind of I'm like, so this is going on. What what does this mean? And she's like. Oh, and she she'll kind of just give me a little tidbit, yeah. but she doesn't. Has That's never a great approach to, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's never one to be like, "Well, this is you're doing this X, Y, and Z," and this is. She's never preachy, and it's. I've always appreciated that about her, but, but, uh and I envy her wisdom in that sense because she understands what's underneath the hood. You know, right? <laughs> she right. understands how to fix the car. Amen. Right. <laughs> right. Well, dude, this was awesome. Every,
2: right on. A-
0: as advertised. Right on. Uh, yeah. This has been a pleasure. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Keep up with tour dates, music videos, and general information on Miles at mileskennedy.com. And you can find No Prize From God on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as on Patheos, where our blog takes a deep dive into the subjects we've explored with our guests. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Downing and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. And check out past episodes with great guests like Maddie Mullins of Memphis Mayfire, Jesse Leach of Killswitch Engage, Karen Crisis of Gospel of the Witches, Ryan Clark from Demon Hunter, Satir Wan Graven of Satiricon, Sister Kate of the Sisters of the Valley, a.k.a. The Weed Nuns, Max Cavalera of Soulfly, Modern Terror Michelle T., and many more. And please head over to iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice little review. The more of those we receive, the higher the visibility for the podcast, and the more can be discovered. No Prize From God is part of the Pop Curse Podcast Network. If you're a Metallica fan, check out our sister podcast, Speak and Destroy, a podcast about all things Metallica. Guests have included members of Megadeth, Pantera, Avenged Sevenfold, Machine Head, Lamb of God, and Hailstorm, as well as folks like Sirius XM personality, Jose Mangan. So here's that other song from Miles Kennedy, I promised, Devil on the Wall. As always, you guys have been great, and I've been Ryan J. Downey.
2: Devil on always creeping in the blind, with shadows of the dearly departed. Planting the seed That in time will bloom to be no. Trouble that we-